Hey, on today's episode, Don't Be Like Bunham, an incredible story of dealing with communal division in politics, how the differences between a water well and a pit portray the possible purpose of humanity, and deep insights into f- defining your life authentically. I'm Moshe Schoenbrunn, and this is the Harusa Podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women over 3,000 years. We ended off yesterday's episode with the idea or how he explained the first Mishnah in the second chapter of Perkeavos. And astonishingly, one might think, I didn't get any feedback as to how awesome it is. I'm going to say it again because it's so good. It's so awesome. I'll say it and drop it a different way. So the Mishnah says, what is the path that you should choose in your life? What's the right way to do it? How do I how do you know what to live? Whatever is honorable to the doer. And brings honor to other people. The other people honor it as well. And Rabbanim explains that every single person in their own soul has your own style in Judaism in the service of Hashem, in the performance of Torah, in the performance of the commandments, which you should not change. Don't ever think of changing that. Don't take a path that's not special or unique to you, even though you greatly admire it, even though you think that what that righteous person is doing, it's so righteous and it's so beautiful and it's so inspiring. And you heard that speaker and you heard this talk and you read this book. Follow this person on the gram. It's amazing. It's awesome. So inspiring. If it's not you, don't do it. You have to hold fast to your path. That's how you know that it's the right path. And what the Mishnah concludes, how do you know that it's good? That you get glory, you get honor from other people's, the way that they do it. That you look at it and say that's beautiful and it's amazing and I could honor and respect that and I could think that that's awesome. It's just not me. And it doesn't have to be, this is the optimal way to life. The answer to the question is, you must do this and this and this, just like I do. And you're going to tell that to preach that to all your people. But to be able to say, that this is one way of doing it. This is my way. And you have your way, and that's beautiful, and that's awesome. And continue doing it. And don't ever change your way. I'll do mine. That's the uh, the Mishnah and Pergeavos. Ah, it's so awesome. That, the the sign to know if you're on the right path is if you're able to have the Ferris Lehman Adam, if you're able to have glory from other people's unique, specialized ways. It's so exciting. And this is everything. Zo Kala Adam, this is it. If you know yourself, you don't need to be anybody else. And you could admire somebody else without wanting to be somebody else because your job is just to be you. So Rabunim once said that if he was offered You could swap. You could be Avraham. You could do one of those polyjuice potions. It's a Harry Potter reference. You take a hair and you mix it into whatever it is and you could turn into that person. You could turn into Avraham. Avraham, are we the children that you dreamed of? You could be the greatest of Jews that have ever lived. And you could... uh you could be it. How much would you pay for it? That was the question. What would you give to be Avra? And Rabbanim said, I wouldn't give a dime. I wouldn't give a dime. 
because if Hashem needed Avram, he created Avram. If he needed Bunim, he creates Bunim. So for me, Bunim, to try to become Avram, what would, what would God gain from that? Yeah, it would be a, a, an incredible impact on the world and change the course of history. But that's not my task. That was Avraham. I got to be Bunim. There's no point of trying to swap with somebody else. That's reminiscent of the famous story with Abzusha. Rabbi Abzusha was the brother of Rabbi Melch of Lezhensk. Where he said, after I pass on to the next world, and they'll ask me why I wasn't like Avraham, I'll have answers. They'll ask me, why weren't you like the greatest sages of your generation? I'll have answers. I say, why weren't you like Moshe? I'll have answers. But when they ask me, Zusha, why weren't you like Zusha? You got to be Zusha. That's that's the question I'm going to be called to task. Rebutim explained that this is the explanation in the Tana de Ve'aliyah, the Medrash, chapter 25. It says, a person's obligated to say, when will my actions reach Yagia? The actions of the patriarchs. Masai Yagia, Masai. Right, I, I, I need to be able to reach the actions of the patriarchs. And he says this doesn't mean that you have to try to be like the patriarchs. right? But it has to be that you touch it. That there's a connection. There's a connection. You're carrying on the legacy in your own way. It's the agia. It's touching. It's not the same. The following story is one of these stories. This is absolutely incredible. The, the impact of this is going to stay with me for a while. This is, this is, it's just one of these stories. It's unbelievable. So just as a backdrop, the Katska Rebbe in his time had one of his students, one of his dear students break off and start his own, his own thing, his own, uh, not organization, his own uh, court, his own uh, Hasidic uh, movement, in a way, right? His own followers. Like he took, um, he left the Katsgarevi and he started on his own. And he became very influential and famous in his own right. The Ishbitzer is known as the Meyashi Luach, the Ishbitzer. And he broke off from Katsk and took a lot of students with him. And later, the Katsgarevi. His daughter married the Avni Nazar, the person who wrote the Avni Nazar. And Avni Nazar had a son who is known as Shmuel of Sachachav, Sachachavar. He wrote the Shemi Shmuel, also very famous and, and awesome book. Incredible stuff. And anyway, his grandson, Shemi Shmuel, asked his father, Avni Nazar, he says, Father, you were around at this time that our grandfather was having this major split that the Ishbitzer was leaving and taking a lot of the students with him. How come you didn't put a stop to that? You, the Chedushe Arim, was another big student at the time that stayed. He stayed with the Kotzker. Everybody else, or a lot of people went with the Ishbitzer. Stayed with the Kotzker. Like, you had the ability, apparently, based on the question that he was asking, they had the ability to put a stop to it. They could have, they could have stopped it. 
I don't know, maybe they had some non-compete agreement somewhere, right? But whatever it was, they had the influence to stop it, but they didn't. They let it happen. And his question was, why? Why did you guys let it happen? Why did you let this break? And his answer was that they considered it, and they were thinking about it, and they couldn't decide. They weren't sure if their opposition to the the Israelites are breaking off and taking students with them. They weren't sure if it was motivated by pure motives or if they were just jealous. And because they had a thought that maybe maybe we're just be protesting because we're jealous of him, because he has people that want to break off with him, because he's charismatic, because he's smart, because he has this and that. And as soon as we weren't sure anymore, we had a consideration. Maybe, maybe we're not motivated by altruistic motives to stick up for the honor of the Kuskarebi. Maybe we're just jealous of the Ishbitzer. And therefore we didn't protest and we let it happen. To me, this story sums up the entire quest for authenticity. And here you have people that had so much invested in something and they had so much at stake. And th- this was their entire life and, and things are now shifting and things are changing. They could put a stop to it. And they have all the motive in the world, all the reasons in the world, all the rationalizations to say why they should do it. But maybe we're jealous. Maybe it's just jealousy. To have that brutal self-honesty, and that self-critique, and the humility to say, and therefore, we're not going to do anything about it because we know that we might have jealousy that's tinging our, our lens here. And history is shaped differently because of it. The Ishbitzer becomes the Ishbitzer. Katska becomes the Katska, Chadusha Yerim. Avdenizer, all these figures all blossom in their own way. But how it happened, this turning point, it's 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 a it's a call. It's a it's taking me to task. This is like this is real. These people didn't just speak it. They didn't just have a bunch of podcast episodes talking about authenticity. Like they made real long-term life decisions with this crucial clarity of lens of who they were and, and where they were going. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, I could bring you to tears. It's awesome. I love it. There's a tremendous Gemara, Charity Chulin, page 105, Marukfa. It's the name of the sage. He says, I'm not as great as my father. My father, after he would eat meat, he would wait the entire day the next day to eat dairy. But I only wait from one meal to the next. As to the definition, what does it mean, one meal to the next, the Gemara goes on, and there's a whole lengthy, elaborate discussion, what exactly is a meal, and from this down till today, in the modern uh, day that we live in, the halachic process codifies it anywhere between one to six hours. I personally wait into the sixth hour, so six hours into the Sort of like when you're counting your age, you're seven years old. That means you're into your eighth year, something like that. Um, so five hours and a minute or so. Some people do five and a half. Some people do three. It's really what's considered one meal to the next. Fine. Doesn't, not relevant to, or for right now. So Rabunim asks on this Gemara. That's the Gemara, right? Marukva says, I'm like my father. My father, we wait a whole day. I wait till the next meal. Asar Bunim, if that's the case, 
if you know that the great thing to do, the proper thing to do is to wait till the next day, so then why wouldn't you wait till the next day? <laughs> I'm not as great as my father. And it says, Rabbanim, if a person wants to keep a chumrah, if you want to keep a stringency only because your father kept it, and you want to do just as your father did, you're not allowed to do so. Our Ukfa was not allowed to just go after the stringency that his father took upon himself. But I'm teaching in order to be authentic. If you want to be authentic, and to go with social norms, to go with customs, to go with what people would call frumkite, it's all to be rejected unless it's being true to yourself. Certain people will say, well, this is how my grandfather did it, so I'm going to do it in exactly the same way. But you have to make sure, are you being you or are you being your grandfather? Rabbanim has an incredible interpretation in the story in Bereshus, chapter 26, when the Philistines, the Pelishtim, are stopping up Abraham's wells, right? So Avram's digging these Be'eros, these wells, and the Philistines come and they keep filling them up and they keep blocking them. And he interprets the symbolism here, is that the Philistines saw that Abraham was a great man, Avram, right? Like we said, he's one of the great uh, figures ever in, in history. And they wanted to follow in that way, in that path. They wanted to be Avram. When you're just following somebody else, you're just an empty life force. Right? You have no innerness. That's that, that's that's a blockage. That's a blockage. A bore, a a pit. Is something that doesn't give life. It's just a reservoir of water. It holds the water as opposed to a be'er. A be'er is a well that springs up from the ground. Fresh water. It's the difference between fresh water and the stale water. And that's what's happening. As they're blocking those wells, they're turning them into pits. It's going from a be'er into a bar. And every single person, says Rabbanim, has to dig yourself a well. You got to dig your own well in order to attach yourself to what's true and what's authentic. Because if you don't find your own well of inspiration, you're just a Philistine. Just the Philistine. You got to be inside. You got to experience the thing itself. Part of who you are. That's personally authentic. Not becoming a Philistine. It's just copying and, and mimicking others. While we're on the topic of bar and be'er, the difference between a pit and a well. So outside of the Harusa podcast, I also have other Harusas. And one of them, Mondays, I learned with a rabbi from Nevada and a rabbi from Florida, the Sefer Shev Shmeitza. Shev Shmeitza, it's an incredibly complex and deep and, uh, need a, I need a better word for it, complex, deep, it's like intricate and you need a heavy dose of, of caffeine or or sleep uh, before jumping into this. Uh, we do it relatively late in the evening. So 
<laughs> um, but it's really, really good stuff. Um, it was written by the same author as the author of the Kitzis HaChoshen. That's probably what he's most famous for, his book, the Kitzis, which is probably the, the most highest selling book in your classical Sfarim store, Sfarim of uh, Hebrew books. The Kitzis was always like that symbol. In fact, the story goes that somebody once came um, in the middle of, when was this, in like the 30s or the 20s, uh, came to America from Europe. And he it was a rabbi visiting from a yeshiva. I think he was collecting funds for the yeshiva or something like that. And he went into the local Sfarim store. I think it was in Ohio. Cincinnati, perhaps, and he went into the to this local store and he wanted to buy a kitsais because he's he's here for a few weeks. He can't go a few weeks without learning a kitsais. Kitsais is a it's a legendary safer. In the Passaic yeshiva, some of us used to do a uh, Friday night after the meal. We had a special time to learn kitsais. I was like the Einik Shabbos. Supposed to do Shabbos, things that are pleasurable and enjoyable. So we dabble in the Ketzeis. Ah, good times. And he went into this farm store in Cincinnati and he asked for a copy of the Ketzeis. And the owner looked at him with a sigh and said, I have one Ketzeis left in my in my shop. This is going to be the last Ketzeis that is ever sold in America. This is in the 20s. And apparently he was noticing the trend. He's a, a wholesaler, a books wholesaler, and nobody's been ordering the Ketzeis. And the last time he sold, the second to last one was years ago. And now finally somebody's coming in to buy the last copy and he pulls out the dusty Ketzeis and he says, this is the state of, of Torah learning in America. Or at least in Cincinnati. It could be he didn't know what was going on in other portions of the, uh, the American world at the time. Also, I, I, don't quote me on the dates here. I got to fact check that. I'll ask my fact checker later. Just kidding. I don't have a fact checker. Um, <laughs> but uh, sometime, it was at a point in time where the ebb in Torah learning was at a low. He took the Ketzeis and he sold it. Now, take it till today. You could buy a Ketzeis wherever you are. You buy Ketzeis off Facebook. You could buy it off Amazon. You could buy it in any uh, reputable Judaic store. Is a copy of a Ketzeis in many different editions with beautiful commentaries and sources and fonts. And it's a, it's beautiful. The Ketzeis, that's what he's most famous for. He also wrote the Avni Meluim, which is also an incredible uh, incredible commentary. Ketzeis and Avni Meluim. And Shev Shemaitse, he wrote, I believe, when he was a teenager. So we're learning this. Anyway, bring it back to today. Um, so I learned this Monday night with my two Harusas. And... Right at the beginning of his introduction, he talks about this difference between a bar and a be'er, a pit and a well, and he says this is symbolic of the mission of a person in life. A person comes down into this world as a bar, a bar, a, a, a pit, taking and not giving. You just are what you are. The neshama, the soul, before it comes down into the world, is just a static passive entity it hasn't it hasn't given it hasn't done anything for anything else it just is a baby just is it hasn't really given anything tangible to anybody or even intangible maybe some pride to the parent but mostly just sleepless nights 
And that's how we come down to earth. And we're coming down to turn into be'ers. We're coming down and to turn into givers, into to well springs that bring up fresh water. In Hebrew, it's called mayim chayim. Water that's alive. Be'er mayim chayim. We're, we're trying to create life. We're creating life by giving, by by giving in physical sense, in spiritual sense, in time, in empathy, in kindness. That's the purpose of everything. Otherwise, you could just stay up. The neshama, the soul, could just stay in the, the world of, of souls. Why, why descend down into this world of turmoil and suffering? But the idea is, is because he quotes, this is the old uh, Kabbalistic term of Nahama de Chesufa, bread of embarrassment, that the point of being is that you shouldn't be just as a taker, just taking. Because even if uh, somebody ends up with bread and they have what to eat, but if it's a, if it's coming from external sources, you're reliant on something else, it's the chasufa, it's it's uh it's a little bit bitter, it's a little bit as as the uh, a flip side, somebody that earned it, it's on their own. Um that's that's bread of contentment. That's what you want. That's what we're aiming for. We're aiming that when we feel connected with that when we feel in the flow that we're accomplishing what we're accomplishing because we put in the hard work because we've done it. We've turned ourselves from a bar from just this empty uh, receptacle that just sits there. The water is just sitting in the pit and we're turning it into a well. We're taking whatever we have and turning it into, into, uh, into life. And he strings together a whole collection of, of sources of sucking from the Torah, of quotations from the Mishnah, and Perkyavas, the Gemara, and Brachas, and Zerayim. Beautiful. I'll just quote one pasuk here, Vayikra in, in eighteen. We just read in last week's parsha. Ela mitzvahs hashiyasa, Isa adam v'chay bohem. I do these mitzvahs v'chay bohem, and you will give life through them. I could have just said Ela mitzvahs hashiyasa say adam. These are the mitzvahs that a person should do. No v'chay bohem. That this is is what creates life out there. And he talks about how spiritually, when a person does something in the olam atachton in the world that we live in. And has an impact on the Ulama Elyon, on, on the celestial worlds, on the spiritual worlds, the angels, the the whatever it is in the in the spiritual realm, that a person's simple impact, a simple action on this world, you do something kind, or vice versa, has this incredible impact that you're actually giving life and new new uh, energies out into the world in your actions. That's the Be'er, the wellspring, becoming the wellspring of life. It's also he concludes why we're all essentially all part of one another because we're all and the world around us. We all have this core that we're all connected because our actions are having impact on everything around us. He gives sources, of course, by the the Mabel, by the great flood in times of Noah, where the people uh, had become so so despicable that. Even the surroundings, the earth itself became untenable for growth, for life. Everything was was becoming so, so much of a bore, of a of an emptiness, of a stopping, of a stagnation. And we want the opposite, and that's the whole point of life. And that's the be'er. We want to become be'ers. And he goes on further there. Uh, great stuff. If you could check it out.
We'll end today's episode on a unique note with some song, some music that was put to the words of the Katska Revi, the successor of Rabunim. It really sums up this tradition uh, of not defining yourself by others, but by yourself. And uh, it's an interesting song. So play with that. It's uh, sing by the Hasidic singer Avraham Fried, who's got a really pure, uh, beautiful voice. And we'll end the episode with this. The holy Kotzke Rebbe Tzvusa Yogi Novenu uses a, can you believe it, a tongue twister to bring us a very important message. If I am I because you are you and you are you because I am I, then I am not I. And you are not you. No, if I am I, cause you were you, and you were you, cause I am I, then I am not I, and you are not you. If I am I, cause you are you, and you are you, cause I am I, then I am not I, and you are not you. No, if I am I, cause you are you, and you are you, cause I am I, then much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed before you even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that, and listen to the other episodes, please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. Harusapodcast at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.